Amen. I wonder if we can put our hands together and just give God a cheer this morning. Amen. He's so good, isn't he? Amen. You may be seated. Good to see everybody here today. Um, wow, wow, wow. And uh, I just love living in Pennsylvania and the, for the reason of just seeing all the, all the four seasons, right? We won't talk about February right now, but uh, we don't have to. But uh, what a beautiful time of the year and a great day to be in church. And so uh, how many have been in church a long time? How many still love coming to church? Oh, I love coming to church. Great church. And uh, amen. But if you're visiting with us today, we just again say welcome and, and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so many good things are happening. Uh, and, and of course, today is just, you know, a great day. We're going to be kind of finishing um, our talking about our series. And uh, I, I promise today that um, not to really get into anything scary or spooky. Okay. Uh, so don't be afraid to take notes. Um, but, you know, don't fall asleep and ghost me, okay? So, anyways, enough of the cheesy puns. All right, let's get into the Word. I, before I do, I want, just wanted to say I'm so thankful for um, just the people that have impacted my life through their example um, of just really serving. And um, just so many people in this church over the years have just changed my life and just by watching their life. How many have people like that in your life, right? And um, just wanted to thank uh, especially uh, Mike McKernan and Dennis Corey, who are just like basically camping out at the OC, living there pretty much, and just making everything happen, getting everything uh, that we need to do. There's just no way I would know half that stuff or be able to do it, and we wouldn't be able to, um, you know, just do the things we can do without them. So I just wonder if we could just put our hands together and just thank, amen, them for their help and the support. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, it's coming together. It's coming together over there. So what we're going to do is when we're um, kind of ready, we, we're not going to make any promises because when I do, I make, you know, Steve and Brother Mike nervous. Um, I, I'm just going to say when we do, we'll just have like kind of a, like a grand opening type deal where we walk through and, and uh, just kind of let everybody see. But we're going to get over there. Amen. And we're excited about uh, what the Lord's doing, not just there at the Outreach Center, but doing here in our church on Sunday mornings and how the Lord is... Uh, just really blessing us and, and doing everything in the midst of in the midst of the culture we're in, in the midst of craziness. How many ever just, you know, recently you've just kind of thought to yourself, this is like crazy. Like our world is out of control. But how many know we have, amen, we're in a kingdom that's not out of control. That, amen, that God knows exactly what he's doing. And he is the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of Lords. He is, amen. Come on, how many are thankful that we belong to a kingdom that is stable? That, amen, is foundational and it's lasting. And uh, I, I, there's, no, there's no, nothing about the kingdom of God to be afraid of. Amen. So we're excited about that. But I wanted just to read today uh, Titus chapter 2. We kind of talked a little bit about uh, really living under the influence of grace in our lives and the power of God's grace in our lives, the principle of God's grace in our lives. And in chapter 2 of Titus, we read some scriptures. And I want to read those today and then we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about some principles today. And in uh, verse 11 of chapter 2 of Titus, Paul is addressing this young man and, and writing this letter, and he, he gives a tremendous principle about the grace of God. And he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How many are looking for Jesus to return? Amen? 
Yeah, but you know, he talks about grace, and we talked a little bit about the power of grace, and how that we really, as Christians, should be living under the power of grace, and living under the influence of God's grace in our lives, and how that our lives should be uh, grace-filled, and, and grace-fueled, and, and, and grace-forward in our lives. How many were here last week? How many listened to it, maybe, and took notes? But um, so I want to just continue those kind of along those thoughts and along those lines. And one of the things that I really love about the teaching of Paul, and I'm going to kind of go through this scripture and another one in Titus, but, you know, really I love about it is um, what he teaches us, and, and Paul begins to explain and dissect here about the grace of God, is number one is that we need to keep the grace of God in perspective. How many know it's important to keep the the grace of God in perspective? And so what he's teaching us is that the the number one agent of God's grace is God's kindness through forgiveness of sins. How many know that's that's what we need to keep in perspective about grace? It's not something that we we just throw around and some phrase that we kind of just haphazardly use and sing about. But, you know, how many know that we keep grace in perspective? Grace has come to us because sin separated us. Grace has appeared to all men to bring salvation because we needed salvation. How many know there's a major problem? It's called sin, but Jesus had a major answer called grace. And so the grace of God has come through the forgiveness of our sins. And through as we repent of our sins and turn to God, the Bible says that we will be saved. And we will be, uh, have experienced the salvation that Jesus has come to bring. How many love that? Especially this time around Christmas time, we really get to sing and talk about Jesus Christ. Amen, more. And I love that. But it's really the forgiveness of sin and the freedom from death that we focus on about God's grace. And that's the perspective that God's grace brings in our lives. How many know sin is a violation? That's really what it is. It's a violation, but I also like to see it this way, is sin is a perspective without God. Not only is sin a passion, many people think sin is a passion. It's not necessarily a passion as much as it is a perspective without God. Did you know that? It's a godless perspective. That's what sin does in our lives, and sin is in our lives. And so true freedom and favor, as we're talking about God's grace, is through forgiveness of sins. How many believe that? Amen? And through forgiveness of sins and the release of the bondage of sin. God's grace brings freedom. And so when we talk about the perspective of grace, we've got to look at the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ from sin. Not just freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, freedom from sickness and disease. How many know all those things happen too? But it's mainly the freedom from sin. How many know Jesus came to free us from sin? How many believe that? Came to release us from the power of sin. And so we have to put grace in perspective. And this is what Paul does. And I love this because he says this is the grace of God. This is, has come and has brought salvation and has appeared to all men. But one of the things I want to look at is that word right there, denying. So the grace of God teaches us, instructs us. And so we're under the influence of grace. But it uses the, he uses the word denying. To deny ungodliness. Deny. That word deny means to turn from, say no to, turn your backs on. How many know that's the same definition as repentance? How many know when we come to God, we not just believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that He died for our sins, but we turn our backs on sin. I'm in a Christian church, right? I came to the right church this morning. Right, come on, we turn our backs on sin. We deny, we, we say no to, we turn from sin. We turn to God and we turn from sin. And that's what he says here is that we deny. It's the same word that we, we would use for repent. We would turn from it, we would deny it. 
we would stiff arm sin. And so I like this in Titus chapter 3, if you look at the very next chapter, as we read it in verse 4, I'm going to read a couple verses for you. But when the kindness and the love of our God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. One translation puts verse 5 like this, And He brought us out of our old ways of living to a new beginning through the washing of regeneration and made us completely new through the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, All of this happened so that through His grace we would be accepted into God's covenant family and appointed to be heirs full of the hope that comes from knowing we have eternal life. How many are thankful for the grace of God? How many are thankful that it wasn't about you? You couldn't do it. There's nothing you could do to deserve it or earn it. It's only by His grace. It's by grace we're saved through faith in what He did at Calvary. Amen. So thankful for that this morning. But you know, God's grace wouldn't be necessary if it kept us broken. Anybody listening? It doesn't keep us in sin. It doesn't keep us blind. It doesn't keep us broken. How many know we sing the song Amazing Grace? Once I was blind, but now I... See, once I was lost, but now I'm what? Found. It doesn't keep us lost, does it? It doesn't keep us blind. It doesn't keep us broken. It heals us, delivers us, sets us free. Amen. That's the power of God's grace. Can you say amen? And so that's what God's grace is so amazing about God's grace. And the grace that he showed at Calvary is that, you know, I'm so thankful for that. That God doesn't want to leave us the way he found us. Amen. And that He changes us. And so we live, need to live under that influence of grace. You know, Christianity does not put a veneer over our lives. It doesn't... How many know God's grace? We're just real people living with real problems under real grace. Come on. It doesn't put a veneer over, oh, well, you really don't have problems. Or you really aren't sick. Or you really don't have this. Or don't have any problems. Or do ever... You know, you just come to church and your life will be great. How many know that's not Christianity? Christianity does it, but it's real problems, real living, real grace. And I'm thankful for that. And that's what Paul is teaching us here, that we are to deny, but also we are to walk in something, and that is the grace of God. Amen. And so as Paul teaches here, and I'm going to get into it a little bit, that it is the empowerment of grace, not the entitlement of grace. How many know we're not entitled to grace? We're not entitled. Now, we're privileged. We have, we have every, everything that we have is in Christ Jesus. Everything that He had, we have. How many know? As we're joint heirs with Him, we have the privilege, but we're not entitled. We don't have the attitude of entitlement. But what we were looking for and want to focus on today is the empowerment of God's grace, not the entitlement of God's grace. So many people get carried away with that. And they say, well, just because the Lord saved me and there's grace for my sins, I can keep on sinning. How many of Romans teaches us, Paul taught us in Romans chapter 6, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No way. How many know Paul's saying it doesn't work like that? If, Paul was, if we put it in our vernacular today, it'd be like, that's not how it works. That's not how God's grace works. It's not an entitlement. It's an empowerment above sin, away from sin. And so now he's teaching us, as Jesus has done that in our lives, now we need to continue to do that in our own lives. We deny it. We push back. We turn back from it. That's what he's saying. And so we, number one, as we look at this, we need to really look at grace and put grace in perspective. So how many know, uh, one of the things I, I like to think about is as 
Paul, or yes, Paul is writing in, in, in Titus here. He says in verse 12, he says not just deny, but what does he say to deny? He says to deny ungodliness. Deny ungodliness and worldly lust or indulgent lifestyles. I want you to notice something. That word to deny ungodliness, that word ungodliness is singular. And then he goes over and he says you also need to deny worldly lust. That's plural. That's indulgent lifestyles. How many know that's plural? So not only is it getting at the root principle of ungodliness, but then he's saying all the practices of ungodliness. How many know it goes from our heart to our actions? That's what he's saying. So grace, God's grace influences us in such a way that it just doesn't change us on the inside. How many know it works on the outside too? And so he's saying that we need to deny these things. Deny the, the things that, the ungodliness that, that changes the inside, that changes your heart, your perspective, your attitudes, your emotions that really lead you away from the Lord, but also that we need to deny the things that lead us on the outside. And those things that are our are, are practices, the actions of it, not just, amen, the heart condition. Amen? How many believe that? Right? And so as he's talking about that we need to live a self-controlled and upright and godly life, and towards our behavior and God and, and other people. I mean, that's just clear. The Bible speaks of that. And so just the very definition of grace is the divine influence upon the heart and the reflection in our lives. So how many know grace influence us so that our actions change? How many God's grace has influenced me in such a way that not only would, that I repent of my sins and baptized in water and became a disciple of Jesus, now I want to do everything. I want to turn from everything, push away everything that is not of God. That is not of a self-controlled, godly, righteous life. Is this all right? Amen. You guys can handle this right. All right. Amen. So that's what he's saying here. And he's just, he's just really, that's what it's all about. The grace of God isn't something we throw around. And it's not something we use when we want to. It's not something that we just kind of use at our, our discretion. But it's, it's something that needs to be in perspective. And he's saying put the grace of God in perspective. Because sin is not just a priority or our perspective without God. It is a priority against God. A wrong priority against God. How many know sin is a wrong priority against God? That's why the first uh, four of the commandments were about worshiping God and getting your priorities right with God. Don't have any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Why? Because your priorities are to reference God. Amen? And so sin is a violation of wrong. It, that's what it is. It's a wrong priorities about God against the Lord. That you, you don't worship Him. You worship other things. You don't you, you use His name as a cuss word. How many know that's against God? And so your priorities, when they're, when they're changing and they become right, how many know now you want to bless God? Now you want to bless, uh, you want to praise God. You want to worship God. You want to live for God and you want to make Him, amen, that one most important thing in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? He becomes uh, really just that exclusive person in your life. The second thing I believe is that we not only keep grace in perspective is what he's teaching, but he's teaching us here to take grace seriously. Take it seriously. Don't just, don't just sing about it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say, yeah, 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 but take it seriously. Notice he used the word right here. He says, live soberly. Take it serious. How many know we need to take grace serious? Take the grace of God serious. And I want to just spend some time on this. Take, some great, take the grace of God seriously. Live soberly, righteously, self-controlled, godly life. This is what he's talking about, that soberly. Now, when we think of that word soberly or live soberly, that's not just, we, we think of the word drunkenness, right? 
Well, it means we can't get drunk. It means we shouldn't be drunk. No, that's not what he's talking about here. When he talks about live soberly, take the grace of God seriously, he's saying don't be irresponsible with the grace of God. Amen? Take it responsibly. And so I take the grace of God responsibly. I, I take it personally. I take it seriously. That's what Paul is urging us here. Take the grace of God seriously. Don't just, don't just you know, live your life any old way. Take the grace of God seriously. If the grace of God is going to have any impact in your life, any influence in your actions, you've got to take it seriously. That's what he says here. How many know there's, there's excitement, there's joy, Jesus wants you to have fun, but I believe all that, but there, there's a time that we live soberly. He says that that's what it's about, and it's not just, again, well, I'm not going to, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to get drunk, you know, or whatever. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, not, I'm not going to be irresponsible with the grace of God. How many know the grace of God is a gift? Oh, yeah, yeah. So is salvation, the Holy Spirit, eternal life. These are gifts from God, and we're to be responsible with God's gifts, aren't we? We're to take it seriously. We're to live soberly is what he's saying here. And so, you know, scriptures and teachings on the grace of God should be used to declare our position in life, not my condition in life. So where I am in Christ, who I am and what he's done, not, not my life and the struggles that I have and the sin that's in my and the weaknesses. How many know that's not the focus of the grace of God? The focus is him. The focus is his righteousness, not my heir. His, the focus is what he has done at Calvary, not what I did in my past life. Amen. And so that's what scriptures of grace and we see people kind of taking a little bit out of context. And, you know, Paul describes these kind of people. Paul, and I want to go into it a little bit. Paul describes two actions against grace. And he, he just he really does. And he talks a lot about it. But I just want to briefly talk about it. Paul describes two actions against grace, reckless and careless. There's two actions that he just constantly talks to us about and teaches us about. And he says, look, it's like there's people that are reckless and there are people that are careless about the grace of God. Let me just talk to you about reckless, being reckless about the grace of God. First of all, I want to say right up front, that the grace of God does not cover hypocrisy. It does not excuse my flesh. It does not relieve me from my obligation to follow the Holy Spirit. But it, it instructs me and empowers me to live the kind of life God wants me to live. How many believe that with all your heart? It doesn't release me from my obligation uh, from the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit. It doesn't release me from the commandments of God and the teachings of the Bible just because I don't like them. Is that right? Amen. So that's, that's not what the grace is about. Paul says it's teaching me to deny ungodliness. Not to accept it and live with it, but to deny it and get it rid of it. <laughs> Amen. That's what grace does. It's so powerful. How many believe in the power of grace? Amen. So grace is not the level of tolerance God has for my lifestyle. Grace is the ability to conform to His lifestyle. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the enemy of grace will always be pride. It will always, you know, people that are lifted in pride about the grace of God and the reckless about the grace will always point to themselves. That's why Peter encourages, and he really over and over, he says it, but he says it very emphatically. In, in chapter 5, he says, be clothed with humility. For what? God resists the proud, but He gives what? Grace to the humble. How many know there's grace and humility? There's absolutely no grace in pride. But that's where the, our enemy is. That's where our sin nature. How many know we're sin bent? And, but thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God for, for the power of God's Word. Amen. That we can live godly. But we're sin bent, and we're kind of in this way that we want to we lean towards pride. And we want to we be reckless about the grace of God. How many know that's in our nature? 
It's in our nature. How many know you don't drift towards righteousness? You don't drift towards godliness. You've got to deny ungodliness so that you can live godly. That's what he's saying here. And so it takes effort, doesn't it? You've got to do, you know, be serious about it. Live soberly is what he's saying. So people who are reckless about the grace of God are arrogant about the grace of God. You know, and this is where it leads. This is where reckless, uh, just recklessness leads. It leads to the mistreatment of others, the abuse of authority, the, the misinterpretive scriptures, the misunderstanding of God's commandments. That's where it leads. How many know people that are arrogant live in fear? And they want others to live in fear. They, they can't get out of this freedom. They can't ever enter into God's freedom about His love. They're constantly, well, what am I doing today? And God's mad at me today. And, and what do I have to do to prove myself? How many know that's fear? I mean, no, you know, that's the way Paul is exhorting. Don't, don't get so bound by Jewish customs and traditions because the next thing you know, you're going to be living in fear. Am I doing enough? Am I doing it right? Do, do I, do, let's see, do I sacrifice first and then worship later and burn the incense third? I mean, how do I, how many know that's just, that's nonsense. And he said, you're going to live in bondage when you do that. But how many know God's grace came to release us of that kind of bondage so that we can be assured, blessed assurance, Amen. Of God's loving kindness. Amen. So that's what it's about. But you know, people that are reckless and that are arrogant about the grace of God mistreat other people. They just can't handle it. They don't understand it. They, they misinterpret the scriptures and they misunderstand God's commandments. In fact, uh, uh, Jude says this. He says in Jude chapter 1, verse 4, he talks about ungodly men. He says these people have already been around. They're here. And he said they're crept among us. That's what he says. In the King James, they've crept in unaware. I mean, no, that's, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Can you imagine Jude writing this letter and teaching this right here in church? And you're like, there's certain people, ungodly men, that have crept in unaware. You'd be like looking at your neighbor. He just came this week. Hmm. Right? Come on. So, but he says that, and there's people, he says ungodly. They're ungodly men. This is what makes them ungodly. Their haircut? No. Their, their attitude? No. He says, this is what makes them ungodly. This is what makes them reckless. He says, they've turned the grace of God into a license of immorality. That's what he says. This is what makes them reckless. Be careful, these people. They're reckless. They're, they're treating the grace of God in a reckless way. How many know? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to treat the grace of God. In, in the living, it says this in verse 4. That people are saying that after we become Christians, we can do just as we like without fear of God's punishment and denying the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading the Bible, by the way. This isn't something I'm making up. This isn't church rules. This is the Bible. Amen. Right? And so then he goes on and he says, and he talks about these ungodly men. And then he says this, even before that, he said in verse 3, he said, and he, and he led up to this and he said, let me give this disclaimer before I talk about these ungodly men, that we should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Why? Because there's ungodly people with crazy ideas about God's grace. They're reckless. They just, they're arrogant about God's grace. We've got to watch out. You've got to just be careful of listening to people that are reckless about God's grace. Amen. That's not Pastor Matt. That's Paul. Amen. And so we, that's what he's saying. And so now how can someone become reckless with grace? How can someone actually become reckless with grace? You'll find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. As Paul says here that we are workers together with Jesus. And then he says, we urge you, you also, that you receive not the grace of God in vain. That you don't receive it in vain. What's that mean? 
by turning away from sound doctrine and God's merciful kindness. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine? But he said it's possible. He said it's possible to become reckless with grace. To receive the grace of God in vain means that the grace of God uh, didn't have any useful purpose in your life. When you, when, you turn, when you come to this place, or people are in this place, and they actually receive the grace of God. They don't, he's warning us, don't do it. He said, but they actually receive the grace of God in vain. When the grace of God becomes in vain, it means it didn't work in their life. It's not important to them. They didn't take it serious. Right? You can say amen. It's okay. We're going to get out of this. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 says, you know, as, as Paul is teaching here, he says, if you expect to be made right with God by obeying the Jewish customs and laws... Then you have turned away from Christ and His loving favor. He says this in King James. You have fallen from grace. You have fallen from grace. That's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it, to say that? Amen. How many know we, we think that Paul was very harsh? <laughs> Amen. That's what we'd be called today. Oh, you're so harsh. What? But he'd say, hey, I'm just being real. Amen. But see, this, this is one of the things I love. Is I heard a pastor say this one time. Is that not using the power of grace to change us is taking the grace of God in vain. When we, when we actually realize, and there's a lot of people that say that they had no useful purpose in their life for the grace of God. That, yeah, I'm saved, but after I'm saved, that's it. I don't have to really do anything else after that, and I'll do what I want to do. How many know that's just not the attitude that the Holy Spirit leads us into? That's not, what, that's not the image that God conforms us to. That's just not. Because it's not the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus was, I'm conforming and I'm doing what my Father wants me to do. I'm saying what He wants me to say. I'm going where He wants me to go. In fact, I'm, living, I'm laying down my life and I'm dying for everyone because that's what God wants me to do. Isn't that amazing? How many know Jesus was full of grace and truth? Amen. That's in the Bible. You need to believe that one. But there's a false concept. And so he talks about these reckless grace and these people that have reckless grace. He said that really they have this false concept of grace that tends to focus on the level of sin in your life and not the working of righteousness in your life. He said, man, I, you know, as Paul said, don't do that. He said, turn away from that. Deny that. Get away from that. And so, so he's talking about not focusing on the... He's talking about and focusing on the enabling grace, not the excusing grace. So grace that excuse. How many know grace doesn't excuse our sin? It it teaches us to live above sin, without sin, amen. Not with it. And so, you know, I th I think of this. It, it, the example is the grace of God. You know, people have the grace to stay at a stay out of jail, not the grace to get keep getting bailed out of jail. How many know there's a difference between staying out of jail and keep getting bailed out of jail? And yet he's saying that there's people that actually live this way and they're reckless with the grace of God because they think that I'm going to keep sinning, keep sinning, keep sinning, and as long as Jesus forgives me, I can keep doing it. I can keep doing what I want. He says, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Can somebody say amen? It's not how it works. So how many know you, if someone would say, you know what, uh, God's grace is on my life to get bailed out of jail again. How many of you just say, just stay out of jail? Just stop going to jail. Come on. And so that's what Paul's saying. Don't just use this excusing grace. He said, just, just deny it. Just, just live a different way. Is this all right this morning? Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 2, he says, it gives a scripture in verse 18, 19. If you're taking notes, you can click there real quick. He's talking about these people, these just have reckless faith. And he says, they proudly boast about their sins and conquest and using lust as their bait. They lure back into sin those who have just escaped it from such wicked living. This is what they say. This is what Paul said. You aren't saved by doing good, they say. So you might as well be bad. 
Do what you like. Be free. But these very teachers who offer this freedom from the law are themselves slaves to sin and destruction. For a man is a slave to whatever controls him. So how many know we want the grace of God to influence our lives? Amen. We don't want to have a message that, you know, just because Jesus died on the cross and paid the price once and for all that we can continue to live in sin. The Bible makes it clear, Paul saying it doesn't work like that. That the grace actually instructs us to deny those things. To live separate from those things. To live away from those things and now goes into another way where we need to live this way. Amen. Is that right? And so as he's talking about, there's people that will use scripture as candy-coated messages uh, to justify, or, or, you know, of, of grace, these candy-coated messages of grace to justify their actions, and that's a form of rebellion, he's saying. He's saying it's a form of, of, of getting away from the, the Word, getting away from Jesus, getting away from the Spirit of grace. That's what he's saying. Fallen from grace. That's what, that's what he's saying here. And so, you know, it really says, that, look what I can do. Look what I can get away with. Look, look at the... The limits that I can push with God. Look, look at, you know, you don't, you don't go to hell for it. I mean, no, grace isn't about what you can't do. Grace is about what you can do. Amen? And so that's the empowering grace of God. In fact, the more you follow God, His order, His whatever you want to say, His rules, His instructions, His word, the more you follow God, the more grace is available. It's not the other way around. It's not the more you wander from God, the more sin you get into, the more you get away from God's word, the more, the gr more grace you have. How many know that's not it? The follow, more close you follow the Lord and follow his instructions, the more grace is available. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But it doesn't apply to the mistakes and flaws and all these things and the character flaws in our lives. That's not what he's talking about. Now, we're talking about people who use grace as a reckless way. Amen? So that's what he's talking about. So I want to be clear on that. And so, really, I want to just say that the, the farther that I've gone with the Lord, the more that I kind of lean into God, I'm finding that His grace becomes sweet. How many know... <laughs> Great, you know, sin has to become bitter in order for grace to become sweet. And when you realize, man, who I was before I met Jesus and who, who he loved before he saved me. Come on, how many know somehow the grace of God gets real sweet? Amen? Because sin got real bitter. Amen. And so we've got to understand that. And, and, and as Paul describes that this is taking advantage of freedom. This is the abuse of freedom. This is the abuse of grace. And so it's reckless. So the grace of God doesn't lead you farther from the commandments of God, but closer to God. In fact, it not just leads you closer to the commandments of God, it empowers you to do them. That's what I love about the Lord. We can't do it on our own, can we? That's why we need Him. We need His power. We need His Word. Because we can't do it on our own. Even though you're saved and you're born again and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you've got the Holy Ghost, how many know you still can't do it without Him? Amen. And so that's God's grace. And so we're influenced by that, empowered. It's the empowerment of grace, the enablement of grace, the enlightenment of grace. That's what he's saying. So not only is there reckless people that are reckless in their faith, but there's also people in the grace, but also people who are careless. People who are careless about grace are ignorant about grace. And these are the people who kind of live also in fear and they, they don't understand and they don't, they don't understand. Well, maybe God's mad at me today. They just have this kind of mentality. Well, I've got to pray more and do this more. Then, then, then. No, how many know that's not the way grace works? That's not the way God's love works. He loved you before you were a sinner. Now that you're a saint, He's still going to love you. Even in your mess. 
How many know Christians got messes? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's why we're a grace-filled community. And so we know that. And so what the Bible, so what does the Bible teach us about, about avoiding careless living or careless grace? The very first thing, I mean, I could say some things, but the most important thing I want to say today is being thankful. When you're thankful about what Jesus did at Calvary, there's something about the enabling grace, the empowerment of grace, the, the enlightenment of grace. You get it, you understand it, and there's something that you are no longer careless about the grace of God. You don't just use it as a phrase. You don't just sing about it. You don't just say, yeah, I'm saved by grace. Or you don't just, you're not just careless in the sense that you're ignorant about grace. You understand it. That's what he's saying is, how many know God wants to educate you about grace? Amen. He wants you. And as you, you develop and you grow in the Lord, he educates you about the grace that's in him. Amen. And so the word grace comes from the same words as thankful. Did you know that? Graciousness. Gratitude. It's the same word. And so, you know, it's not just something we talk about at Thanksgiving. How many know, always, we're thankful in all things as Christians. Why? Because we're living under the power of grace. We're living under the influence of grace. And because of that, I'm constantly thankful. How many know the devil cannot touch a thankful person? Can't get to you. Can't mess with you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Well, no, I need to be a spiritually powerful. Well, you know how you become a spiritually powerful warrior in Jesus? Become a thankful person. Because he can't touch you. He can't get to you. He can't break through that armor of thanksgiving. He can't get... That's why we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Because we're reminding ourselves of the, the power of grace. God's grace. The cross. The blood. Amen. The forgiveness. The power of God. How many know Paul said that's where the power of God is? I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It's in the cross and it is in the mercy of God. And so we've got to understand that. It's not just something we sing songs and we're thankful and, oh, I'm so thankful. No, it's something that literally influences our lives. We're not careless about grace. We're not ignorant about it. Come on, we're informed about it, right? And so when someone becomes unthankful, this is very important. I just want to take a second and wind this down. When someone becomes unthankful to God, they begin to look at themselves. To depend on themselves. They began to look inward and not upward. They began to talk about how strong they are. How much they have done. What they have done. How good they are. How many know that's not a thankful person? Let me prove it to you. In Romans chapter 1, uh, one in verse 21, he's talked about the, the, the culture and how they turned from God and all the things they've done. And he says, because of that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. And verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creation or, creation or the crea creature rather than the creator. Amen. How many know being unthankful is not a good place to be? That's where we got to stay in the thanksgiving. Stay in that realm of thanksgiving. Stay in that realm of being thankful because then that, that really allows you to live under that influence of grace and you don't become careless about the grace of God anymore and you don't become reckless about the grace of God. You become strengthened by the grace of God, empowered by the grace of God. hope this is okay. So, you, you know, when, when, you're, when you're unthankful, as he's saying here, you begin to change the truth to fit your lifestyle and your preference of worship. That's what he's saying here. That's what they did. How many know it's possible to do that? Come on, that's why we got to stay close to the Lord. Because it's possible to get off in a place where you're changing the truth of God into a lie. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be reckless. I don't want to be careless about the grace of God today. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, he said this. He said, see to it that no one falls short 
fails or misses the revelation of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. King James says, looking diligently that no one fails the grace of God. Now, we'd say, look at that initially and say, well, okay, I don't want I, I, you know, to wake up one day and, and, and God just, I'm not saved anymore and God's left me and I'm, I'm out of his love. No, how many know he's not talking about that? This is what he says, that no one falls short of or misses, that's what it means, it misses the revelation of the grace of God. So that's what happens when we're careless. We, we, we miss the, the, that revelation of God's grace. And when we do that, we, we let bitterness grow up. Now again, where does, where does this missing or failing the grace of God? That happens when we fail to show grace to other people. Then we become bitter and start become come on, mistreating other people. That's what he's dealing with also. But let me just say a couple statements about grace as we wind this down. Is grace is not manageable. It's not controllable. What do I mean by that? That I, I only want a little bit of God's grace. Or I want a lot of it. I, I'm today, I need a lot of it. No. How many of you got all of it? Come on, somebody. I said you got all of it. Even in your failure, you've got all of it. Well, God's mad at me, so he's going to show me a little mercy. No. The Bible says that his mercy endures forever. All of it. Complete mercy. Complete grace. Amen. We're living in all of it. How many want to live in all of the grace? Well, you are if you're saved and born again. It's all of the grace. It's not partial. God, God doesn't show you some and then me some and me more and you less and you more and me less on one day. And then on Saturday you wake up and, oh, it's topsy-turvy. It's all over again. How many know we get all the grace? Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen. Because some of you are praying and living like God has a little bit of grace for you. And a lot for over that person over there. I mean, uh, we, all, we got all of it. Amen? And so it's not manageable. It's not controllable. You, you, you didn't do anything to save yourself. You didn't do anything to, to, to merit the love of God and the grace of God in your life. That's what it is. It's unmerited favor. You were away from him. You were rebellious. You were haters. You were, some of you were just steeped in witchcraft. You purposely wore upside down crosses. You purposely spoke against Jesus. You were against him. You were atheist. You didn't believe in him. But how many know he still loved you? His grace was extended to you. Is anybody in listening? Amen. That God still had grace. Amen. And we're living under that. We're living in that grace. And so it's not that manageable and controllable. I love that about God's grace. It's not a question of how much God loves me. It's a question of how much do I love God. That's what grace comes all about. It's, it's God's already shown it. God's already displayed it. On the cross of Calvary, he doesn't have to prove himself again. doesn't have to do it again. He already did it. Come on, somebody. And how many know whatever he did was enough? Whatever, whatever he did was enough. More than enough. Amen for me. More than enough for me. And so it's not the question of what he's done. And he needs to do more. It's that I need to love God. That's why he's teaching us here. And he's saying, look, you've got to deny ungodliness. Because it keeps you from the love of God. It really, it really limits you. You can get careless. You can get reckless when it comes to the grace of God. You know, God's grace teaches us to be informed. Doesn't it? It teaches us to be, that's why we take it serious. And that's why we keep it in perspective because we're informed about the grace of God. Be in touch with the grace. Be in touch with God. Be in, be, stay in reach of God's grace. That's what grace is all about. Amen. And so really when, when, it, when it, we come to it and we think about it, it's, it's when we want God's grace to do its part without us doing our part. I mean, that's our nature that fights against us. But today we're going to say, Lord, amen, I'm going I'm to deny that which you don't, What's not godly, what's not good, I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to receive the enabling grace 
Not the entitling grace, not the excusing grace. I'm not going to live there, but I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to make those, I'm going to choose, amen, to be influenced by the grace of God and not compromise. You see, when you do that, it affects not just your, your outlook towards God, but it affects your outlook to other people. How many believe that? That is he saying here. Can we stand on our feet today? I want to share with you just one last thought as we're standing. And so not only do we keep the grace of God in perspective, it's because of forgiveness of sins, and it's because God's favor and blessing and grace was so strong. And also we keep it that serious. We, we just take grace seriously. Today, how many have just really got a hold of it and say, I take grace seriously? And you know, when you take grace seriously, you're going to treat other, you're going to treat other people different, aren't you? Jesus gave us that example of the man who was forgiven a lot, much, much, much debt. And he went out and found somebody that owed him just a little bit. And, and he was mean and ignorant and nasty. The Bible says he was thrown into prison. How many know that guy wasn't under the influence of grace? Didn't realize it. He was reckless. He was careless. And so that's what the Bible says. And the third thing I just want to leave with you today is we learn from grace daily. The Bible says that that was teaching us. Grace is teaching us. We're under its tutelage. We're being influenced by it. You know, and, and grace is the grace of God is doing something in our lives daily. And that's what that's what he wants us to get a hold of today. And that's what Titus, when he was writing these letters, he's saying, look, it's a daily thing. It's not a one-time deal that you've got to keep going back to, doing all these ceremonies to remind yourself. It's every day. Aren't you glad for mercy every day? Aren't you ever woke up and just say, God, I thank you. Mercies are brand spanking new today. Amen. Amen. Because the grace is daily. And the Bible says we learn from it daily. It's teaching us daily. See, it's more than just willpower. Many people get lost in that. Well, I just got to be mentally strong and just mentally make up my mind. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's God's power to live. That's what we rely on. That's what the grace of God is all about. Lord, I can't do it myself. There's no way I can do this on my own. I can't get over this. I can't get past this. But Lord, I, I want to walk in your grace today that empowers me to do it. And so I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to find out, Lord, how do I do this? How do I overcome bitterness and forgive people and love people? How do I do this? How do I do that? Through your word. Lord, I receive your grace to do it today. It's daily, isn't it? Amen. And you know, again, I, I want to say this, just repeat this and make this clear. It's not about what you can't do. Christianity is not about what you're not allowed to do. You've got to get out of that world. Some people live in that world. They absolutely live under that tree of what they're not supposed to do. You can't eat the fruit. So what did, what did Eve do? She went and touched the tree. She sat under it. She drew a picture of it. She sang a song about it. She hugged it. Whatever you want to say. I mean... It was easy. Just don't go to the tree. Right? But what did she do? Where did she fall? She made the mistake of focusing on the one thing God told her not to do. And so if you live your life by, by well, what I'm not allowed to do, what does the Bible say? Well, I, I guess I won't go to hell for it. Listen, you're missing out on the power of grace. Because he's saying it's not just to deny. So it's not, it's just not, that's what he's saying. Yeah, we got to deny, we got to turn from it so that we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So that we can get the, amen, the benefits and the blessings and the, all that. Come on, right? So that we can experience the grace of God. That's what denying is all about. That's what repenting is all about. Repenting is just saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I recognize it. I realize it. You know, and, and having God say that every week, did you repent today? Did you repent? Before you pray to me, before you reach out, did you? See, God doesn't do that. He said, we, we just know that, Lord, I've, 
I just need your grace. I just come to you, Lord, and, and I don't, it's not about what I'm constantly reminding myself of what I used to do, who I was, I'm so bad I can't do that, what, who I am in Christ. I mean, there's so many scriptures about who you are in the Lord, who you are in Christ, with God, in, in Christ, uh, all these things that you need to focus on. Stop focusing on what you can't do. You'll miss the power of God's grace in your life. We're salt, we're light, we're a city, we're the children of God, we're all these things. That doesn't lead us to arrogance, that leads us to humility. Leads us to worship, leads us to loving other people, doesn't it? And grace understands really how to deal with life. It, God teaches us how to deal with life. And instead of constantly trying to change our, our life and compare ourselves to other people and, and get frustrated with, well, I'm not this person, I'm not... Just, just, it just teaches us to live righteously and soberly and godly in this present world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 says in the living, we try to live in such a way that no one will ever be offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way we act so that no one will, can find fault with us and blame it on the Lord. In fact, verse 4 says, In everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure suffering, hardship, and trouble of every kind. I mean, you know, it's about learning to live in the grace of God daily. And so today, this question I just leave with you, and, and I did last week, is what do we do with the undeserved grace that we've been given? How does that influence our lives? How is it affecting us today and your marriage and the way you're treating your kids and teaching your children and raising you and the way that you behave at work and, and all these things? Because, well, we're not into behavior modification, but how many know the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is. And so it not just teaches us to un, un, deny ungodliness, but also worldly lust. Not just in the heart condition, but also in the actions. Also reflecting the grace of God, reflecting in our lives, not just in my heart. How many know it's one thing to say, I can sing about grace in my heart, but it's another thing when you just live it out. It's one thing to say that you love other people. It's another thing when you actually clothe people and feed people and, and take care of people and love people and are patient with people and long-suffering. Come on, somebody. Amen? It's another thing, and that's what the power of grace does. So I want to encourage you today. I want you to live under the influence of God's grace. And think about it and pray about it. Say, Lord, what have I been missing? Maybe I've been missing something. Or maybe you can just say today, maybe I've been reckless. Maybe I've been one of those ones that Paul talked about that's just reckless in the grace of God. They're just, I'm just beating everybody up and condemning people and judging people because I feel that I'm not good enough. Because I feel that I've got to do this. Maybe I just have a, I'm careless about the grace of God. I'm ignorant. I just don't know any better. I just don't know the fullness of God's grace. How many know God can do something about that today? If we just say, Lord, I don't want to be reckless about the grace of God. I don't want to, I don't want to come to the place where I'm just constantly living in abuse or fear or, or anything, Lord. And how many know I don't want to be careless about the grace of God? I don't want to be ignorant. I want to grow in the grace. As Paul said, be strong in the grace. And that's our prayer for you as a church, to be strong in the grace together so that we can reveal the grace of God before a lost world. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many know people? some people don't need to hear Scripture? They just need to see your life. Amen. I mean, no, some people don't need to just see it. They need to hear it. And how do we find the balance? We walk in the grace of God. Lord, we just thank you today for your word because your word has a way of just teaching me that, I, that nobody else can show me and reveal it to me, but your word can do it. And so, Lord, that's all we ask that, Lord, maybe something we shared today or talked about or mentioned would just open up our hearts to you. So, Lord, that we would grow closer to you and lean in a little bit, a little bit more, amen, to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and the teachings of the Bible that we would just say, Lord, yeah, me too. 
This applies to me. And Lord, I, I ask today that we would just kind of just come in another level of living under the influence of grace. Not just singing about it and saying, yeah, that's me. But Lord, I pray that we would just come under that place would actually influence us on a daily basis. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives today and among us today. Lord, I just pray that anybody that's not saved and doesn't know you, they have a lot of questions and big questions, a lot of things going in their life. I just pray, Lord, that they would understand and see that you love them beyond anything else, Lord. You've loved them always. You've always loved them. And Lord, you're, you, you've, they've known you, Lord, or you've known them and you love them. You're pursuing them in a relationship with you today. That, Lord, that people would come to the place that, Lord, I want to walk with Jesus Christ today. We just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. We have prayer. Amen. Team coming right now. If you'd like prayer today. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and give God a cheer? Amen. Thank God for his word today. Amen. Be blessed. Greet somebody. Encourage somebody as you leave. Amen.